Pop quiz. What is the most frequently used image of God's relationship to his people that we find in the scriptures? Do you know it? We'll get to the answer in a moment. But first, the masterpiece that is the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Mark loves using this literary technique. Maybe you're familiar with it, taking one story and using it as bookends for another related story. And he does so masterfully in this passage. The story of the woman with the hemorrhages sandwiched by the daughter of Jairus. And Mark weaves the similarities between the two. You didn't see them, right? There's two women, both in dire straits, both in need of Jesus, and both marked, interestingly, by 12 years. It was the age of the little girl, of course, but also the length of time that the elder woman had been bleeding. And those peaks of similarities seem all the higher when compared to the points of contrast. Look, one is old and poor, and the other is young and rich. One approaches Jesus in public, the other is approached by Jesus in private. One is ritually unclean, and the other is a synagogue official's daughter, surely following the law to the last letter. And finally, one is alone in a crowd, and the other has a crowd of loved ones who need to be sent away. Now, what is Mark saying in this masterpiece through all these literary and theological comparisons and contrasts? He points out that this is for everybody. This passage applies to one and all, young and old, rich and poor, living and dead. We need Jesus. But the guys in the room might step up and say, but But wait, they're both women. And here I take you back to the pop quiz. In the Bible, what's the most frequently used image of the relationship between God and his church? Most frequently used image is not that of the shepherd and the sheep, nor of the creator and the creature, not of the physician, the judge, the friend, or or even the father and his children, but it is of the bridegroom and his bride. The the groom, the one who loves his bride, the people of God, the, the church, the one who gives himself freely to them. You see it in Hosea, you see it in the Song of Songs, you see it in the book of Revelation with the wedding feast of the Lamb, in which he holds nothing back, offering free and total and faithful and fruitful love. The bridegroom. I don't know about you, but I kind of cringe. At least I used to before I had spent a lot of time with this image. It, it doesn't sound like the way that we were taught about God in church school for some of us many, many years ago. It sounds too fleshy. Too intimate, surely too sensual. But look back at the gospel. Look at the woman with the hemorrhages. It says, Mark tells us that she suffered at the hand of many doctors. 
Talk about fleshing. I have to admit, I don't know a lot about first century medicine, but I can be sure of this. Whatever she had to go through was both painful and humiliating. And Jesus, the perfect bridegroom, he knows what she needs even before she asks. His presence heals her. And Jairus, daughter, Another image of, seems too intimate. Where does Jesus heal her? It's in her own bed. He enters the most private chamber of their home. And so she, in her innocence, is the bride of Christ. The old woman, in her woundedness, is the bride of Christ. And the church, we, united as the people of God, we are the bride of Christ. Need another sign of it in the Gospel? Look back to that number 12. Yes, the age of the little girl and the length of the older woman's illness. We Catholics, we hear that number 12 in church and in the Scriptures. We go right to the apostles, right? The 12 apostles, which were the fulfillment of the 12 tribes of Israel. A sign that those two women both represent the whole of the church, the whole of the bride of Christ. And he gives himself to his bride and for his bride. He did so once and for all, giving his life on the cross. And he does so every time we come to this simple altar, representing the sacrifice of the cross in an unbloody way with his life poured out. I think you've heard there's been a lot in the news about the Eucharist here in the States over the past week and a half, and I'm going to talk a little bit about it at the end of Mass, but a couple points right from the Gospel. What do we learn from the Gospel? Well, like the woman who approached him in the crowd, we realize that the gift of our Lord is not something we ever take. It's something that we receive. She touched the hem of his garment. She tried to do it without him knowing, and she got to it, right? She got what she wanted. She got that, she got that power. But there's never power without relationship. He stops. He calls her out, not because he didn't know who it was as much as he wanted to have that exchange, that relationship. There is no anonymous Christian. We're always in this together with the bridegroom. And also, we have to acknowledge from the story of Jairus' daughter that sometimes things are delayed. Sometimes we don't get Jesus right when we want him. That's been a big point of the conversation in the news. But I'd, I'd point out, we all have a hunger for Jesus. You can imagine that hunger being so clear for Jairus as he's trying to get Jesus desperately to the bedside of his daughter. And what happens? There's some old lady that comes and grabs at his hem, and now he's having a conversation with her. Jairus must have been losing his mind. Come on, Jesus, we, we, we gotta go. It's gotta be now. I want you here now. But no, in his own time. Yes, there had to be a delay. We do not know why. And so it is. Sometimes we must delay. There has to be a pause. Perhaps it's because we weren't fasting for an hour, because we need to get to confession. Sometimes because what we 
believe, we think, is not in accordance with what the church teaches. And so we can pause to wrap our heads and even more our hearts around who this Jesus is so that he can come to us in the fullness of time. For he is the one that inspires, as Paul says in the second reading, that generosity to the poor, giving of ourselves completely. And as wisdom says, he is the perfect sign that God does not rejoice in death, but he is the bridegroom who gives life. He gives the bread of life.